So this morning, I just want to spend a few moments speaking about forging. Forging, not forgery, uh, not uh, faking, you know, uh, printing fake money, but forging as in the blacksmith, the fire, the lump of metal. And we're going to talk about that in just a few minutes. It's going to start a little bit heavy today, I have to warn you. Uh, but um, then you'll see where I'm going with all of this. So I just want to start by saying, uh, you might have noticed this, but we live in quite a dark world, don't we? Uh, There's a lot going on, uh, and our enemy, the devil, is continually working to achieve his mission. And uh, just in case you don't know the mission that the devil has, according to John chapter 10, verse 10, Jesus said, the thief comes to steal and to kill And to destroy, but I have come that they may have life and have it in abundance. So, if you're on the side of Jesus, then you can expect the life, not just life, the abundant life of God to be your portion. But the truth is that that there is a very real enemy. It's the devil. And his mission is to steal and kill and destroy. So like I say, we're going to start a little bit heavy this morning, but um, we're going to go somewhere with this. Everyone okay? Okay. Anyone want to smile at me this morning? Just so I know. Okay, good. So we have been called as Christians, we've been called as as carriers of the life and the light of God. We've been called as Christians to push back the spiritual darkness in this world by shining God's light. We've been called to, to bear the light and the life of God in this dark world. Um... To bring God's kingdom into the world around us. And that's exactly what Jesus did when he stepped into this world. He carried another kingdom and he brought it everywhere he went. The kingdom of God came near, didn't it? Okay, just checking you're listening. So, so the, the war that we, we face, the battle that we face as Christians in this world is not a physical war. It's not a political debate. Um, And Jesus, we have to remember, Jesus refused to fight this way. When Peter cut off the ear of the soldier, I think he missed, to be honest. I think he probably just missed. Um, Unfortunately, he just cut the ear off. But Jesus said, this isn't the way we're fighting. And he he put the ear back on the soldier and and healed the soldier. Um, Our battle isn't a physical or a political battle. Our battle as Christians in this world is a spiritual battle. And um, it requires us as, as Christians to know who our enemy is, to understand what the schemes or the tactics of the enemy are, and to be equipped to fight. And that's what I want to talk about this morning. So, first of all, our enemy is the devil. It's not people. Um, let's not be people haters. Amen? Let's not hate people. Let's love people as God loves this whole world and has called us to bring his love to others. It's easy, isn't it, when someone does something or says something that hurts you to hate. It's easy to to take out your anger on them. But the truth is that that's not how we have been called to live. Because, And we have to understand that our battle isn't against people. It's against um, the spiritual 
um, principalities and powers that exist, the devil and his kingdom. So the devil is the root cause of sin, of, of the sin and the evil that exists in the world. Now that sin often comes through people, that evil often comes through people. It comes through people's actions, it comes through people's words, um, it comes through those who live amongst us in our communities, and it comes even from those who preside over nations. And I think that's quite clear, um, that evil and sin come through many different people all around us in this world. Um, but, but ultimately, our battle isn't against those people, it's against the principalities and powers that are behind them. So the devil's schemes are not new. His, his, what he does to achieve his goal to steal, kill and destroy isn't new. In order to achieve his mission, to steal, kill, destroy, the devil does some of these things here. That These scriptures won't be on the screen, but John 10.10, 10, he comes as a thief. So he comes to steal. In order to achieve his mission, the devil scatters and isolates. That's also in John chapter 10. The devil operates in darkness. Psalm 143 verse 3 talks about that. The devil prowls around like a roaring lion, like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. 1 Peter 5 verse 8. The devil brings temptation. Matthew chapter 4. The devil masquerades as an angel of light. He draws people to sin and evil by dressing it up like it looks good. 2 Corinthians 11:14. The devil confuses. 1 Corinthians 14 verse 33. And the devil deceives. Revelation 12 verse 9. None of those scriptures are there. And if you want them, I'll email them to you. Um, but there's some of the tactics that the devil uses to achieve his mission to steal, kill, destroy. Now, as Christians... We are children of God, children of the light. Anyone who has put their faith in Jesus Christ has been born again. So the core of who you are, your spirit inside you, has been made alive to God. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5.17, Old things have passed away. All things have become new. New. And that's the work that God has done in us. And so it says in Ephesians 5 verse 8, this will be on the screen. For you were once darkness, but now, now you are the light of the Lord. Our light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. So we have been called by God when you put your faith in Christ to save you. When you acknowledge that you have been born into a world of sin, that you carry sin in your life, but you put your faith in Christ, you repent of your sin, which means you turn your back on it, and you put your faith in Christ. That moment, you are made new. You become a child of God, and you become a child of his light, and you're called to live differently to the world around you. Amen? And sin and evil is, is not and should not be part of, of who we are. And, and the truth is that uh, we all sometimes sin. But if sin is allowed to reside in your life, um, it's an issue simply with not understanding who you are in Christ 
as a child of God because you don't carry that sin nature anymore. You have a new nature. You're a child of God. You carry the nature, the DNA of Father God in your life, and that is to, to do good. It's to live righteously. Um, so when we become a Christian, we start this process of, of this renewing of our mind um, where, we, where we are transformed um, by understanding the truth that God speaks over us, the truth of who we are in Christ. And that is a lifetime process of learning and growing in God. Amen? Right, so as Christians, God has equipped us with spiritual armor. So I think the best people to stand against the, the mission of the enemy, the devil, the best people to, to stand against the tactics of the devil are those who are the people of the light, um, those who stand for the kingdom of God, and that's us. And, and Ephesians chapter 6 says that God has given us spiritual armor. So we're just going to quickly look at that. It says in Ephesians 6, verses 10 to 18, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. There's a great key for life, isn't there? If we try and be strong in our strength, in our might, we fail every time. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might, right? And then it says, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Wiles, schemes, tactics of the devil. Verse 12, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, as we've already said, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. In other words, our battle isn't against people, it's against the devil and his demonic kingdom, right? And all the damage that he's trying to do to people who live amongst us in this world. Therefore, how do we stand against uh, this onslaught? How do we stand against the kingdom of darkness? Verse 13, therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand, stand. I mixed the words up there, but you know what I'm saying. Therefore, verse 14, stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, above all, taking the shield of faith with which you're able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Praying always with all prayer and supplication. That just simply means uh, bringing your requests to God. All prayer and supplication in the Spirit. Being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. There's lots of big words in that passage. Um, but... Essentially, what it's saying is that there is a kingdom of darkness that we've been called to stand against um, the devil and his kingdom, and that we've been given this incredible suit of armor. And this suit of armor is, is basically, this spiritual suit of armor is basically having a real revelation-based understanding of who we are in Christ. That breastplate of righteousness, that shield of faith, that comes as you grow in your relationship with God. So we're encouraged to take up 
this spiritual suit of armor, to put on this suit of armor. Now, you will notice um, that this suit of armor that we've been given is mostly defensive. You know, this shield of faith that quenches the fiery darts of the evil one. Mostly it's defensive, um, enabling us to stand against the attack of the enemy. Uh, But we have two items of armor, as far as I can see, that are actually more offensive. In other words, you know, enable us to attack rather than just be on the defense. And those are the shoes of the gospel of peace that we walk forwards with and the sword of the spirit, which is, it clarifies there, the sword of the spirit is the word of God. Let's just have a quick look at those shoes. I call them the shoes of good news, the shoes of the gospel of peace, shoes of good news. Most of what Jesus did to push back the darkness when he walked on this earth was simply to bring the good news of the kingdom. He came bearing the light of the kingdom of God. And when Jesus walked on this earth, he, he came to bring the good news of the kingdom. And most of, of his attack against the, the work of the enemy, the devil, was simply to bring the goodness of God to people. And everywhere he went, we just see splashes of the mercy of God upon people's lives. Um, he would heal the sick. He would cast out demons. He would share the good news that people no longer had to be alienated from God, but they could come into relationship with God through forgiveness of sins. And everywhere Jesus went, he shared this incredible news of the kingdom. And I just want to encourage you, church, that God's also called us to be bearers of the good news. You know, if people meet you as a Christian and and they come away feeling uh, judged, rejected, and uh, like they've been just, you know, just through a a grilling, um, then you're probably not sharing the good news in the right way because it's good news. When I hear good news, it makes me feel happy. When I hear good news, it makes me want to hear more. And and I really believe that as Christians representing God's kingdom, we should be really good at presenting the good news of Jesus. The good news is that God has made a way for every single human being to have relationship with him. And that's where it starts. And all the bits that need sorting out in our lives, in the lives of those that are coming to him, God will do that. But the first step is people need to hear the good news. The other thing that's a weapon of attack, an offensive weapon um, against the kingdom of darkness, is is the word of God. Now, to put it very simply, because when I hear the word of God, I just think of the Bible. And indeed, the Bible, this this written document here, um, it contains um, the the logic, the logos, the, the truth of who God is. And so it reveals the truth of who God is to me. Therefore, it's the word of God. And that's what the word of God is. It's, it's when the truth of God is revealed. That may be in a spoken way. That may be through the Bible. That was through Jesus. Jesus was also the, the logos, the word of God, when he came into this earth. I hope that's clear for everyone. Um, so the word of God, the, the truth of God revealed. So this is the sword of the Spirit. So we stand in this world with this weapon called the sword of the Spirit, which is basically our opportunity um, to, when we reveal the truth of God 
through the way we live our lives, through the words that we speak, through quoting scripture, that that is revelation in our hearts. When we reveal the truth of God, that's the word of God. And that pushes back the kingdom of darkness. So let's have a little bit more of a look at that this morning. Uh, Where the enemy has deceived, where the enemy has wreaked havoc in the world around us, where he's stolen, where he's killed, where he's destroyed, God has called us to push back the darkness with the light of his truth. So having the sword of the Spirit means having the truth of God, which was revealed through Jesus, like I say, it is revealed through the Bible, but it's having the truth of God rooted deeply in our hearts. And that's, that's important because if we just know scriptures and can quote scriptures, that isn't a powerful weapon. But when the truth of God is deeply rooted in our hearts and, and when the way we live our lives, the way we lead, the way that we serve others, the way that we communicate um, reveals the truth of God, that's when it becomes a powerful weapon. Everyone with me? Okay. That's when it pierces the darkness of the environment that we live in. You know, in the wilderness, Jesus came against the schemes of the devil. The devil was trying to deceive Jesus. He even used scripture to try and deceive Jesus in Matthew chapter 4 in the wilderness. Um, But Jesus came against the schemes of the devil by speaking out the truth that was deeply rooted in him. He quoted scripture from a place of revelation and absolute conviction rather than in the vain hope that it might achieve something. And I've heard people pray. I've heard people quote scripture. And you just kind of know it's just like they're they're clasping onto something. Um, I'm just going to quote this scripture because I think this might do something. But unless that truth is there in your heart, then actually um, it's not a powerful weapon as it should be. Um, So this is the question. This is where we get on to forging. Uh, How does the truth of God become deeply rooted in our hearts? And the answer is forging. Boom. Let's talk about that. So um, here's a definition of what forging is from the World Wide Web. And this is actually a, a web page Uh, from Summers Forge in the West Midlands. This is the definition of forging. You ready? Here we go. Forging is the manufacturing process of hammering, pressing, or rolling metal into shape. This is either delivered from a hammer, a press, or a die. It's essentially the art of heating and working hot metal to design or to shape, to a design or a shape that is fit for a specific purpose to use. Now, in ancient times, it was the job of a blacksmith to create weapons, such as spears and swords, through the process of forging. Russ, you were telling me that you went to Manor Farm recently, and I think there is a blacksmith um, kind of workshop there, isn't there? And so, you know, sometimes seeing things visually helps. But um, So the blacksmith's job was to create weapons, such as swords and spears, through the process of heating the metal, smashing it into the shape that it needs to be, okay? Now, the blacksmith would heat the metal to an extremely high temperature in a fire and then hammer it into the necessary shape. 
So there are four components here. Say after me, blacksmith, metal, fire, hammer. Okay, so just to keep it simple, there's these four components. So we are the metal in the hands of the blacksmith. Jesus is the head blacksmith. But Jesus has appointed blacksmiths, spiritual blacksmiths in his church, who he's called to equip all believers for God's work. That's Ephesians chapter 4, isn't it? That he's appointed apostles and prophets, evangelists, pastors and teachers. He's given these leadership gifts to the church um, for the equipping of the saints, the holy ones, the believers, for the work of the ministry, to do God's work. Wherever God's placed you, wherever God's called you, you are a minister of God's kingdom. He has called you to do his work in your workplace, in your home, in your college, in your university, in your school, uh, in your career. If you're working from home at a computer, you're a minister of God's kingdom in that place. I don't know how that works sometimes, but you will find an opportunity. If you're, if you're desperate to do God's work, you will find an opportunity in every sphere of your life to be a minister of God's kingdom. It's really important that we don't see ministry as the person stood up here. I'm, I'm one of many ministers in Family Church. We are all ministers of God's kingdom. Amen? Okay, really, really important to understand that. Right, so Jesus is the head blacksmith. He has appointed lots of other blacksmiths to do his work. Now, the role of, of the blacksmith, the church leader, is to expose the metal, all of us, I'm both a blacksmith and a piece of metal. I'm both a shepherd and a sheep, right? So to expose the metal, that's you and I, to the fire of the Holy Spirit and to have that metal shaped by the hammer of the Word of God. So I think I'm doing the best job as a church leader if our congregation, if our church family is regularly exposed to the fire of the Holy Spirit and is regularly hammered by the word of God. So it's good to get hammered by God's word. <laughs> Amen? Okay, that's when I'm doing the best job as a, as a church leader. And, of course, that's not just my responsibility. You naughty pieces of metal, sometimes you, you run away and you don't want to go in the fire. Sometimes you don't want to be hammered by God's word. But the, the truth is we work together, right? Um, you know, together we find opportunities to, to find the presence of God, to, to, to be together in God's presence, to, to be in the fire of God's holy forge, uh, to, for, for the Holy Spirit to work on our lives, and together we find opportunities to have the Word of God just bring us into the shape that God wants us to be. So it's not just my responsibility, it's not just yours, you know, this is the way that God's designed it. So the fire, let's talk about the fire of the Holy Spirit. The, the fire of the Holy Spirit heats our lives up, uh, purifies us. That's what, what the fire does to metal. And it softens us, ready to be shaped. And then the hammer of God's truth, repeatedly connecting with our lives that have been softened by God's Spirit, shapes us. So that God's truth becomes deeply rooted in our hearts. And we become people who are equipped with the sword of the Spirit. Ready to push back the darkness of this world with the truth of God. 
with his word. Amen? So that's the process of, of spiritual forging. Uh, and, and I love that, that um, it's the spirit and the word working together. That's what we built EBA, our, our, our Bible Academy, on previously. Spirit and word working together. And, and the, 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 the truth is that, that God's word, God's truth, uh, can't truly become rooted in our hearts unless the Holy Spirit has made way for that to happen. We have to, be, be, uh, we have to allow God by his spirit to work in our lives, to soften our hearts, to prepare us for God's word. That's why on a Sunday we gather, we have a time of worship. Our hearts become open to the Lord and soften before God so that he can speak his word into our hearts. So with the truth of God deeply rooted in our hearts, our decisions, our actions, our spoken words, our conversations, our leadership, and our prayers, very much our prayers, uh, overcome, push back the darkness of the environment that we live in. But we can't do that unless we have the sword of the Spirit, the truth of God deeply rooted in our hearts. Now here's a really interesting passage from 1 Samuel chapter 13 verses 19 to 22. Now there was no blacksmith to be found throughout all the land of Israel. For the Philistines said, lest the Hebrews make swords or spears. But all the Israelites would go down to the Philistines to sharpen each man's plowshare, his mattock, his axe, and his sickle. So the Philistines let Israel come and sharpen their farming implements, but they didn't want them to have any weapons, understandably. And the charge for sharpening a pim for the plowshares, the mattocks, the forks, the axes, and the set, and to set the points of the goads. So they, they charged for all that, right? Uh, verse 22, so it came about on the day of battle that there was neither sword nor spear found in the hand of any of the people who were with Saul and Jonathan, but they were found with Saul and Jonathan, his son. They'd managed to keep hold of their swords and spears. But it's a bit of a sad thing when the whole army, there are no swords or spears. They're not going to be very good on the attack front, are they? Um, and that was the Philistines' idea. Uh, so the enemy in this situation targeted the blacksmiths of God's people um, so that they had no weapons. And that's the tactic of the enemy, the devil. It's the same. He wants to remove forging from the church. I don't think he just targets the blacksmiths. He does his best, to those lumps of metal, to, to, to make sure they get distracted and don't get in the fire. Um, you know, it's the, it's the enemy's plan to, to take away the weapons of God's church, that sword of the Spirit from God's church. But if we want to be people who advance God's kingdom, if, if I want to be someone that advances God's kingdom in my sphere of life, then I need to be someone that is continually going through this process of spiritual forging. So what does this take from me? Well, I think first of all, I'm talking to the lumps of metal here, right? First of all, I think it takes a willingness and a submission to put ourselves in the hands of the blacksmith. 
the head blacksmith being Jesus. It starts with Jesus. But actually, the way that Jesus has set his church up is that he's appointed spiritual blacksmiths, leaders in the church. And, uh, and, and his way of doing things is, is when we come under the authority of spiritual leadership, we come under the authority of Jesus. And people really, really struggle with that. Uh, and I can understand that to an extent because there has been a lot of abuse of power um, over, over the years. Um, there's been a lot of blacksmiths or shepherds of the sheep that haven't taken that responsibility seriously or, or, or done things rightly or even uh, brought harm to the sheep. And so, so I get that. But the truth is that, that God has also appointed a whole load of blacksmiths that are good people, that, that love the sheep, that love those pieces of metal and, and want to, to, to simply want to allow God to, to do his work on those pieces of metal, right? Um, God won't force you into the fire. You have to be willing and you have to be submitted. Um, and, and this is the thing about Jesus, the head blacksmith, and I think we could all learn from this. Jesus describes him as, he describes his heart once in the whole of Scripture in Matthew chapter 11. And Jesus says, for I am gentle and lowly, gentle and lowly of heart. In other words, We've got to listen when, when Jesus is describing his heart there. And, and that, I believe, is what God has called his, his leaders to be. And I believe in, in our church environment, I'm so blessed to, to stand alongside a whole bunch of leaders who are desperate to carry that same heart of Jesus, to, to lead with gentleness and lowliness. And have we always got it right? No, of course we haven't. Um, but do we want to be the leaders that God's called us to be? Yes, of course we do. And, and, and I believe that, that God, there's so much, there is so much to come. There is so much. We're going to see God do so many good things in the future um, as, as we just continue to take his path. Also, this process of forging takes endurance. Endurance. You know, this, this heating up and this hammering can be a bit of a painful process sometimes. You know, letting God speak his word into our hearts. Uh, letting the Holy Spirit heat our lives up to the point where we become soft to him. That can be scary and that can be painful sometimes, but it's the will of God. What's forged in the fire is beautiful. It comes out beautiful. So as a blacksmith, my desire is to see each lump of metal become the beautiful weapon that God has, has in mind for it to be, that God's called us to be. My prayer is that every single one of us would be regularly exposed to the fire of the Holy Spirit and that we would all know the shaping of God's word. And, um, you know, in family church, there's a number of opportunities for this forging. Um, there is this gathering together on a Sunday morning. Now, my prayer is that we will see more of the move of God in our gatherings, that we will see God moving by his spirit, softening hearts, the word of God just coming in and, and, and shaping people's lives. But it's not all about a Sunday morning, is it, as we know. It's about your personal devotional life. It's about you having a willing heart to, to come before God during the week and, and present yourself to him as a living sacrifice and say, Lord, here I am, work in my life, speak into my life by your word. It's a, Connect groups are an amazing place um, for this forging to take place. Again, coming together in small groups during the week where the Holy Spirit can just work in our midst and where God can speak his word. Um, worship nights, prayer meetings, youth gatherings on Friday nights, 1830 gatherings. 
discipleship courses that we offer. There's lots of opportunities to be shaped by God's word uh, and to be fired up by his Holy Spirit. So, you know, as, as these months and weeks go on, I just want to be more deliberate about making sure that we are allowing space for God to move by his spirit, to, 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 for us to get in the fire of God and for his word to shape our lives so that we become those people that are true spiritual weapons, people that hold the sword of the spirit in our hands, ready to push back the darkness in this world around us. There's, as we finish today, there's one more opportunity in Family Church that I just want to talk about. And that is Forge Ministry School. You probably thought I was going here, didn't you? Um, and I just want to mention Forge Ministry School because there are people that are sitting here today who need to enroll for, for Forge Ministry School this coming September. So um, Forge Ministry School will be running from September to July. It, um, it will run every single weekday morning during the school term time, uh, 9 o'clock till half 12. You can attend in person or live online. Our preference is in person, but you can attend live online. Um, and as you leave today, our hosting team, if you haven't already taken one, have prospectuses for Forge Ministry School in their hands. Um, it's for young people. It's for older people. It's an opportunity to be forged with God's word, to be equipped with God's word. Our desire is that students will come into an environment at Forge Ministry School where we give space and time for the Holy Spirit to move and for the truth of God's word to become rooted in their lives. There's going to be times of prayer and worship. There's going to be coaching groups. There's going to be personal mentoring, um, as well as about 260 hours of lectures, of teaching over the course of the year. Topics are going to include things like this. Identity in Christ, freedom, your character, the kingdom of God, church environment, work environment, your faith walk, your relationship with God, your prayer and Bible reading, the church, Christian doctrine, worship, pastoral ministry, business as ministry, and then evangelism, making disciples, developing leaders, platform ministry, and then there's another course called Think Like a King uh, for those who do the marketplace stream of Forge. And I'm saying all this because... I just want you to know about Forge. And I think there are people that uh, need to sign up for Forge. But also, I want this to become our thing. I want us all to take ownership of Forge. Um, there may be people here, you can't attend Forge, but you can sponsor someone to do Forge Ministry School. It's £1,500 for the year, £150 a month over 10 months, or £500 a term. £1,500 for the year. That might seem like a lot, but it's, it's not. Um, actually, you compare it to other ministry schools, it's not a lot of money, but it's an investment. It's an investment into your life. An investment that I made when I was 19 years old. I went to Canada to a ministry school for a year. And it's an investment that will carry forth for the rest of your life. So is it time for you to invest a year? Are you just finishing college? 
Maybe you're just finishing university. Maybe this is a change of seasons in your life at the moment. Maybe you can, you can work it alongside the work that you do. Um, but this is our ministry school. And whether you attend Forge or not, uh, perhaps you can help in other ways. Perhaps you can become a personal mentor to some of those people that are on the course. Perhaps you could be praying for us that the right people would join Forge Ministry School. Perhaps you can help in some practical way with the course. Perhaps you can help us just spread the word, let people know about Forge. Go to the webpage www.family.church forward slash Forge. All the information is there, the application form, the prospectus is online as well on that page. And like I say, perhaps you can sponsor a student. We may have a couple of overseas students. Perhaps you can provide accommodation for them. If you can do any of those things, ping us an email, talk to me. Portsmouth at family.church is the email address. Portsmouth at family.church um, or forge at family.church. Uh, you can email us and let us know if you can help in any way. So I just wanted to throw all that out at the end there. Uh, as I close this morning, uh, I just want to encourage you, church, let's be people who are forged in the fire of God. Let's be people who know the shaping of God's word in our lives. And let's be deliberate about that. And that all starts by presenting ourselves to God, doesn't it? And if you're here today and you've not started to walk in a relationship with God, you've never accepted Jesus as your saviour, uh, this morning, you have an opportunity to do exactly that. And this simply will start you on a journey with God. It will start you on a journey with God where you can walk God's path for your life. God made you. He designed you. And, and he has a plan for your life. So if you've never accepted Jesus as your Savior, as your Lord, would you just close your eyes now and just pray this prayer with me. Would you just say this, these words after me? Say, Dear Father, I accept that I cannot live up to your perfect standard and I repent of my sin. Just say these words. Thank you for sending Jesus to pay the price for my sin. I believe that you forgive me and make all things new. I surrender to you and want to take your path for my life. So please fill me with your spirit and empower me to live a life that honors you. Thank you for loving me. Amen. Just keep your eyes closed. Keep your heads bowed just for a minute. If anyone prayed that prayer for the first time today, you have just made your peace with God. God accepts you. He loves you. Your sins are forgiven and you have started a journey with God. You've started your, your walk with God. If that's you today, would you just raise your hand just where you sit? Just raise your hand and say, that was me. I prayed that prayer. I meant those words. Thank you, Jesus. Anyone here today? You prayed that prayer. You said, yes, Jesus. Yes, Jesus. Okay, you can lift your eyes up. 
Wonderful. If you're visiting us today, again, it's wonderful to have you with us. Um, and make sure you take your card, your welcome home card, to the back there where it says, so glad you're here. Uh, if you prayed that prayer in your heart, if you've just made your peace with God, but you were a little bit not brave enough to raise your hand, then also take your card to the back and just talk to one of our team that's standing at the back there. And they'd love to talk to you. They'd love to give you a free Bible. Um, they would love to give you some resources to really help you on your walk with God. So church, love you. Thank you. Thank you so much for, for, for just receiving God's word today in your hearts. God bless you as you go today. Amen.